Thank you for tuning in to Investment Insight. Um, you know, one of everyone's favorite topics to talk about is the death tax, right? Everybody loves the fact that knows of knowing that once they die, they get to pay another tax. And you know, one of the things um, we were actually debating here before we started talking was what started. And I was pretty confident it was the Spanish-American War was when the inheritance tax hit our shores in 1898. And if I'm not mistaken, the insurance companies got to opt out as soon as they passed that law. They had a really good lobbyist even in 1898. Um, so if you think lobbyists just came around recently, you're wrong. So, so what are some options with inheritance tax? If, if you know, we all know that right now um, it's 12 million, 900 and... 12, 12.92 million, right. 12, 12, so 12 million, so if you can give away 12 million, 900 and twenty thousand dollars tax free to your right. heirs. Of course, some of that's going to expire. Right here is it twenty six? It is. We'll cover that. Yeah, you got. And it. So so it expires in twenty six. And so one of the things a lot of the politicians are talking about is, hey, most of the money in our country is in people over the age of fifty five years old. And by the way, when you're dead, you're not voting anymore. So there's a very very high. Um, chance that to pay off some of this debt, to pay for some of these deficits, maybe to balance Social Security, sure. this may be one of the tools the government uses to tax people sure. to get revenue. Yeah. So what are some options you can do to protect yourself from that inheritance? No, you got it. Great, great. Thanks, Brent. Great to be with you all today. Um, a little bit of history, or a little bit of what I'll call current history, about yeah. where we're at as far as what is that lifetime exemption amount, okay? Amount a person can leave to a non-spouse not have to worry about paying federal estate tax, okay? You could leave a gazillion dollars to a surviving spouse, we're not worried about estate tax then. But when we start leaving stuff to kids or get a non-spouse, that's when it potentially becomes an issue if your net worth is over a certain threshold. So okay. that threshold for 2023, again, is 12.92 million, which isn't exactly a round number, okay? I'll tell you not long ago, in 2017, we were at 5.49 million a person. Okay, so quite a bit of change in a relatively yeah. short amount of time. And, we, and things cost, things have really appreciated sure, since then. Sure, no doubt I mean, it. you think about it, I mean, what it costs to live now, it's a lot more expensive now, and properties have gone up. <laughs> and so that makes it play here too. You got it, you got it. So we got to this $5.49 million number in 2017 because in 2011, there was a base amount of $5 million index for inflation Again, after six years, got us up to that 5.49, right? In 2018, though, we got a new tax law, okay? A new tax law that did hit on this. And that 2018 tax law, what it changed, it said that for our 2011 base, let's not have a $5 million number, let's have a $10 million number that's indexed for inflation. Okay. So after 12 years of inflation, up to where we're at now, that's why we are at 12.92 million, okay? But that 2018 tax law was not able to make this a permanent change, right? So we're gonna keep, as things stand today, again, our default, if nothing changes, as things stand today, we're gonna keep creeping up with inflation through 2025. But in 2026, if nothing changes before then, our 2011 base reverts from 10 million as it is now back to $5 million index for inflation. So right, we've got 15 years worth of inflation, so maybe we're at $7 million, something like that. So basically, we've been growing at 10 million on inflation, right? And in some weird, quirky way, we go back to 5 million as if it was original in 2011. Correct. Index for inflation till today. So potentially, we don't really know the number. The 5 million from the IRS could be 7 million with inflation, right? With inflation, right. or it could be this 12.92 million going further, depending on what they do with the law. 
It but, depends on that. The default, though, right, to know is, hey, if nothing changes, we're going it goes back. back to the five. Right. So we're basically going from a $12.92 million today to probably $7 million if that law was to expire today. Sure. So sure. You're, you're looking at losing um, six, almost $6 million in credit today. That you could, pass, you could pass tax-free to, you know, to either, well, yeah, right, to your kids, either during your lifetime or when you pass. Okay, because another thing about that law is you're allowed to give the money away now before you die. Sure, sure. And we'll talk about strategies trusts will use to do that now before that exemption disappears and before assets become worth more than they already are. Uh, because right, once you get, once you pass, if you get above these thresholds, your estate's getting hit with a 40% tax on that excess. And and 40% is a you know, an outrageous number, but is is lower than it has historically been. So you're you know, saying if you go a dollar over, that dollar over, 40% of that dollar is gone. You got it. You so got if it. you have $25 million and you're not married, you got $12 million of 40% gone. So yeah. So $4,800,000 yeah. is just... You got it. Toast. You got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. You got it right on point. So, right, we're always thinking about ways we can get ahead of the game, ways that we can get proactive and, and you know, best plan for this type of tax. So, yeah. you know, we've talked about other trusts and other sessions that are more so focused on other things. You know, some focused on income tax planning, some focused on asset protection. You know, those trusts to kind of tell you how those are not exactly proactive today versus what we otherwise can do. Again, any trust you put in place uh, during your lifetime, you've got at least three roles. Okay, you've got what's called a grantor. Again, that's who forms a trust, puts their stuff inside, yeah. right? You've got what's called a trustee. That's who's technically in charge of the trust. And you've got what's called a beneficiary, okay? Who this stuff is for, right? And as we talked about on previous uh, episodes, when these two things equal, when grantor and beneficiary are the same, right? You're creating a trust for yourself, a self-settled trust. You're not getting proactive for estate tax reasons, okay? Whatever you put in there, it's still yours, okay? And it's gonna be considered yours when you pass based on its value at your date of passing sure. and based on what your exemption amount is on your date of passing, not what it exemption amount was when it went into the trust. So when you pass is what the number is based on. Exactly right. So one type of strategy we'll use, and in this context, we're again gonna keep using the married couple example, but one strategy we'll use uh, to again, get proactive. You know, let, don't let the assets continue to grow up don't let that exemption amount disappear overnight you know, that otherwise could have utilized, is often through what's called a spousal lifetime access trust. Okay, so a SLAT for short is what spousal we're Spousal lifetime access, access trust. trust. You got it. And I'll SLAT. Give you SLAT. Spousal lifetime asset trust. Access trust. And, I, and I'll give you the background kind of why, why it's called that. We'll make a little more sense in a minute. Uh, but again, backing up what I just said, when you create a trust for yourself, again, grantor, beneficiary, if they're equal, you're not getting proactive, right? So a simple way to get proactive, okay, might be that we have, again, in the context of a married couple, have the husband, you know, be the one who technically creates a trust, okay? Have wife be our trustee, and then have just wife be the beneficiary of the trust, okay? okay. So husband, he can take asset that's worth, we'll call it X dollars today, Put it inside the trust. Go ahead and use some of his exemption. Okay. So you can go ahead and use the exemption maybe before the numbers change. Exactly right. Go ahead and use this exemption. No, you can give, again, you can give as much as you want to to a, to a, to a spouse and you're not worried about federal estate tax. You're not using exemption. If you want to structure a trust a certain way, you can do that as well. Uh, but here, you know, we structure the trust to go ahead and use that exemption to make sure that it's not going to be part of wife's taxable estate either when she passes away. Okay, so what we do here. So, let's, the, so by doing that, you're, you're giving to the trust now, 
And so that it, it won't go to your wife, it'll be owned by the trust. You got it. You so, got it. So the wife's not going to be involved or for her numbers is different. And, and so just to hit on this again for yeah. you, I'm sorry, um, is if, how do you, if you were going to move property, I guess you get appraisal for that property. You can, right. So, so if I thought, you know, hey, in my mind, this building's worth a million two, but the appraiser says it's worth 800000 I would lose $800,000 on my sure. credit, not the million two. Absolutely right. So, so that's the more efficient way to do it, right? Use less of your credit. So, you know, when you when you make a, we'll call it a taxable gift to the trust, and again, you're not paying any tax unless you give more than that exemption amount, okay? But when you make a taxable gift to the trust, you file what's called IRS Form 709 that tells the IRS about it, okay? Oh, cool. and, you, and you And there's nothing in the instructions for that that say, hey, you've got to get a formal appraisal for every asset you put in the trust, right? So if you've got the property, you think it's worth X dollars, right? You could just say, well, hey, I think it's worth X dollars and not report anything. Does that, if there's no, you know, substantiation from an outside party saying, hey, we agree, or we say it's worth that, you know, independent of the person who put it in, maybe that gives the IRS a reason to potentially audit that gift and see if it's worth more than if you had the formal appraisal with it. You know, just something to think through when you're making that but gift. But if you had that appraisal and you give it to the, you get the form of the IRS, and you've done this years before you die, I would think it'd be harder for the IRS to challenge it because you're like, hey, I told you in 2017, this is right, what right, I was right. doing. No, you got it. 2024 is a long time from now. Why didn't you guys do something then? You got an absolute great thing to bring up. So part of the reason you do that in 709, you file the get tax return is, once you file that, all right, the IRS has a statute of limitations. They've got three years to you know, put up or shut up. Really? If they don't fuss about it within the three years, they can't fuss about it down the road to say, well, hey, the valuation you used wasn't really right. Wasn't correct. Right. So how did that work? You know, because in COVID, the IRS is so far behind on tax returns. So I'm sure a lot of people during that period use this opportunity because the IRS has not had the opportunity to get to stuff. Sure. I mean, and, and that's, yeah, opportunity is a good word, right? So I mean, yeah. if, we're, if we're making gifts and things like that, uh, and, and I would tell you, just, just from my experience, you know, if you put something in, let's say, again, your exemption is 12.92, if you're not pushing real close to that limit, right, if you're not giving something that's really close to that limit, um, a lot of instances, even if the IRS audits it, it's not like it's going to turn into any more tax, right? It's just going to use a little more of your exemption. There's no more money coming into yeah. the coffers, if you will. So, so like if, you, if I give away an $800,000 property that they say is worth a million, I'm only using a million dollars of my $12.92 million, so there's really no tax liability. Not a, not a lot of reason for them to want to audit something like that. Yeah. But kind of show you how this works, right? So let's say we've got an asset and kind of how it could play out, right? Let's say in 2026, things stay like they are, and we get our exemption down to you know, $7 million, okay? Let's say we've got an asset, you know, that the couple owns that's worth $10 million, right? Yeah. So, so husband, again, we want, when we make a contribution to a trust, we want it to just come from the grantor spouse, right? So husband puts this $10 million asset into this trust, okay, which is gonna use, again, it's gonna use 10 million of his 12.92 million of exemption, which leaves, right, 2.92 million that we haven't used yet, okay? Because we went ahead and used exemption, because we structured the trust properly, you know, this has gone from husband, right? He's not a beneficiary. So no matter what this grows to, right? This grows from 10 million to 20 million. It's not part of his taxable estate. He gave it away when it was worth 10 million and used 10 million of his exemption. So any appreciation is not gonna be subject to that 40% inheritance tax. You got it, you got it. So. And then in the wife's context, okay? She did not create this trust, husband did, right? So she can be trustee. And we'll say we've got these magic buzzwords from why it's supposed to come out of the trust for the wife's health, education, maintenance, and support. So she can pull it out for whatever she if needs. If she needs to, if she needs to, right. But whatever is in this trust, again, because she did not create it, if this grows from 10 million to 20 million or whatever, it's not part of her taxable estate either when she passes. So it doesn't count against her 
12.92 million of exemptions. So, so she can still use the money, but oh, it's sure. not subject to inheritance. Sure. Tax. And so let's say it's cash, right? And let's say that cash is used, you know, to buy a new home, right? So they buy a new home that's you know, owned by the trust, um, right? She's the beneficiary. She can live at the property, of course, not paying rent, things like that. Because husband is married to the beneficiary, okay, even though he's not a direct beneficiary of the trust, while they're both living, so husband gets spousal lifetime access, if you will, to ah, that's the trust. Ah, called a slap. Right, and so he can live there as well, rent free. So what you're saying there, of course, is because it's say the trust gets spousal lifetime access, access trust, even though he's not a beneficiary, because it's a spousal lifetime access trust, he still has the right, even though he's not a beneficiary, to use the money for whatever he needs. While while both spouses are living and they're married, he still got that indirect access, if you will, to property, to assets. If this, the trust. if his wife was to die. That's when, right, that, there's risks that come along with this, right? The trust is not going to say, hey, now it's for husband. The trust is going to say, hey, now it's for the benefit of the kids. Gotcha. Right? So his technical indirect access, if you will, cut, gets cut off once wife, if she happens to pass first. So, you know, thinking through again, hey, if we're just going to do this, just do one of these, have one spouse create this type of trust, we keep having morbid examples, but a lot of times we think through, right, which spouse is most likely to pass first, have that spouse be our grantor spouse. That way, you know, surviving spouse does have that direct access, you know, to what's inside the trust. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, again, estate taxes here. Estate taxes are our focus, you know, get around the 40%. I'll tell you, you know, if we're worried about estate tax, kind of one of the downsides I would suggest to this um, is from an income tax cost basis perspective. Okay, yep. so let's say in our example, you know, this asset is worth 10 million bucks, and let's say it's something that the you know had initially been purchased for four million dollars, right? So that was the initial cost basis. All right, husband puts his property into the trust again. It's worth 10 million. Cost basis is four million. And again, let's say over time, and husband passes, it's worth now 20 million. If you sell it, yeah, you still got the same tax liability. So you still got to pay capital gains. You still got to pay capital gains tax. You know, because husband gave it away, right? He gave it away. It's not part of his taxable estate. It doesn't count anymore, if you will, against his exemption. But when husband passes, you know, since this is not part of his taxable estate, there is no cost basis adjustment, okay? And typically, by default, when wife passes, again, by getting it in this trust, it doesn't count against her 12.92 either. So typically, the default rules would say when wife passes, there's no cost basis adjustment either, right? So you don't get the step up. But you don't, so you might be paying 20% taxes and capital gains of 23.8. Right. But you're not paying the 40% inheritance tax or potentially a higher rate in the sure. future. Sure. You sure. know, because you could definitely see Congress saying, hey, if you got $20 million, you're quote unquote rich. Right. We're going to take half the money. Right. Now you got so, it. So you're at the capital gains rate. You so got that's it. the downside is you got capital gains exposure here, but you're solving the inheritance tax exposure. You got it. You got it. And so, yeah, great, great way to summarize. A couple more points on this one. Right, in our example, we gave away something worth 10 million, we'll call it in 2023, when we had 12.92 million of exemption. The laws are in place that, hey, if they reduce this down to 7 million in the future, yeah. okay, we're not, you know, we're not in trouble. We don't have to pay any tax because we gave away more than what our exemption is now. We gave it away when we did have that much exemption, yeah. right? But, you know, we've already given away 10, so we still don't, we don't have this extra 2.92 any longer, okay? It's just, we've already given away more than that amount, so when we pass, right, we don't have any exemption left. So if you give stuff. away the ten million now, and they lower the threshold later, basically any money you'd have left would be subject. However, you would have saved three million dollars that would have been sure. subject anyway. Exactly right. Plus any growth. Exactly right. So exactly this would right. be a great thing for maybe an asset. Maybe you don't plan on selling a family sure. farm. Sure. That you want to avoid inheritance tax, but you're probably never. 
it's going to appreciate, but you may not ever be selling it. Sure. Sure. As an asset. You got it. And, and I'll tell you another thing, especially an opportune time to think about this is as these laws may change, you know, end of 25, start of 26. But also, I'd say even potentially currently, okay, if you've got something that's worth X dollars, right? But you know that, hey, potentially with what could happen, it could be worth five times X, 10 times yeah. X, 100 times X here pretty soon. Being able to put it in the trust, have that valuation, have that, you know, that third party look at it and say it's worth X today and report that to the IRS, being able to do that before it really explodes in value, you know, can make a big difference, you know, as far as, you know, not getting any bigger, if you will, in the eyes so of the So if you IRS. had like a startup company and you thought, hey, this company on paper might be worth a million bucks, but you think it's going to be a $100 million company, this would be something that would make a lot of sense because you're setting your family up to where there will not be inheritance tax in the future because you're definitely going to be there. You got it. You got it. And, then, and last thing I'll throw at you, you know, this one, while the grantor is living, we keep things simple typically. This is structured to use the grantor social security number as its tax ID. So as long as the grantor is living, we're not having to worry about any extra trust income tax return. It's all reported on the grantor's 1040, just like it's still owned by him or her. Okay, and I'll tell you, that's a, I, would, I would suggest that can be a further way to plan for this estate tax, right? So we give something away worth 10 million, right? And let's say we do sell it you know, down the road and have all this gain. You know, in this case, let's say it's grown to 20 million and our cost basis is four, so we've got 16 million to gain to pay capital gains tax on, all right? Initially, okay, we can pay all that out of the stuff that's still in the grantor's name, okay? Still that he didn't give away. We can initially pay it out of the money still in his individual name, further reduce what he's worth in the eyes of the IRS you know, from a taxable estate perspective and preserve what we've given away over here. And that's not treated as an additional gift to the trust. Okay. There's going to be typically language in here that if we need to reimburse the grantor for taxes he or she paid individually for the trust, that is at the trustee's discretion that we can do that. So the trustee can, if there are tax liability for giving the gift, the trust can pay it. And when you sell it, the trust can re reimburse the grantor you know, for those income taxes paid. Again, the thought would typically be let's don't, let's keep more in here and let it grow and be preserved and spend down what's still outside the trust. That but, way there's no inheritance tax yeah, liability. But sometimes you need the money, right? Sometimes you gave away that asset that, you know, you don't have other stuff, you know, otherwise to pay that tax for, you still get the so money to do because so. you're doing the gift, it would then be irrevocable at that point, right? It is, it, it's irrevocable at okay. that point, right. And so are you allowed, if you didn't like this trust, are you, is the, trustee allowed to give some of the money to a different trust or is it pretty much stuck in there once it So, you know, you could, so for example, you know, you could give distributions to the wife if you need money or the, the beneficiary spouse, you could take money out for certain reasons if you needed to do so. You know, if you take it out, of course, you're in essence wasting some of that exemption you oh, use okay. when you put, the, put it in. So there's, there's some strategy and some planning that goes into after you put it in place, kind of, we'll call it best operating procedure, you know, just to make sure you didn't, you know, waste things you already took advantage of. Gotcha. Yeah. Because if you or to give it away, put it back in your name, you've already given this away, so now you've lost that inheritance tax liability, you got it. and now you're putting it back in your name, so now you got that liability still, you got it. and so that would be very inefficient. Right. You don't, you don't get back the exemption you otherwise used previously. So once you it's it. done, you lose that exemption. Right. And you, you told it. the IRS, you've given it away. But the, but the benefit of that, of course, is you've got documentation now that you've given stuff away, and the IRS only has three years to challenge it. After three years is over, yeah, money they, can't, they can't challenge the value used when you made the gift, what you said it was worth. You got it. Gotcha. That's awesome, John. Yeah. Thanks for sharing us about yeah. the slat. And I, I still get the name wrong, but it makes a lot more sense why it's called what it is. <laughs> so, but thanks for tuning you in today it. for Investment Insight. We appreciate your time. Thanks.